podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's got to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Baby, welcome to the party. I'm off the Myers in the lean. That's why I'm over retarded. That's why I'm over retarded. Baby, welcome to the party. Huh? I hit the boy up and then I go skating around. Baby, welcome to the party. Bitch, I'm a thot. Give me lit. Gun on my One in the head. Send in the clip. Okay, hello, welcome to another Touchy Gunas podcast. My name's Lewis. I'm joined by uh, two of my good friends, Sheldon and, and Nigerian Dan. How are you doing, gentlemen? Yeah, all good, man. What's going on? Man? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. You not sound depressed, man. Fuck, you know. No, no, I'm, I know I'm not. I just got to a Champions League final, <laughs> but you know. Well, imagine they get a second one. We're just, and we're still here. Like, I'm just. That's what I told you. I'm watching reality TV, man. I need to, you know, you just need to take your focus off just because mm. you're everything's just pissing you off. So, yeah, man, watch right, Temptation you, Island. Yeah, you've been going, you, you've you been taking a few leaves out of those Temptation Island guys, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, you got, those guns are looking uh, oh, pretty, guys, pretty, pretty, uh, yeah. pretty impressive, Sean. I have to admit, Jim, Jim, Jim is my only saving grace, man. It's the only thing that makes me happy, bro. So, okay, you know, yeah, you're gonna yeah. see mine. Like... <laughs> I don't think they would let me on Temptation Island. <laughs> <You're so dumb. laughs> not got the airline, not got the tan, not got the muscles. It's, uh, it's all a bit peak, to be fair. But anyway, guys, look, um, we're going to try and make today's episode a little bit more cheerful than, you know, it normally is. You know, so there's a few things to, 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 you know, to look forward to. We've got a Europa League semi-final tomorrow. You know, we've got a semi-final of our own. Hopefully we can get to a European final, just like our London rivals, Chelsea. Um, but before we get into all the conversation about that, make sure to like and subscribe if you are watching on the YouTube live stream. Um, if you are listening via podcast, you can uh, leave us a five-star review on the Apple podcast app please that's absolutely imperative so if you are listening please leave us a five-star review on the apple podcast if you don't want to do anything else if you don't want to subscribe to the patreon please do uh the least you can do is uh leave us a five-star review on the apple podcast app and if you do want to become a patron you can head to our patreon page where you can get all the exclusive content we'll give you an instant match reaction after tomorrow's game as well so um hopefully all positive vibes when we're in the final of the europa league um 
against Man United, which is due to be doomsday. But no, like I said, positive, positive thoughts, positive thoughts only. Guys, let's talk about tomorrow. We're not going to talk too much about the Newcastle game. We can try and kind of link them all in together um, because I don't really know what we learned from the Newcastle game, if if I'm being honest. Um, we'll start from we'll start from um, we'll start with Villarreal themselves. So um, obviously, we did our post match. Uh, on Patreon after after the first leg, and you know we we I think we came away from that game feeling quite dejected um, because we looked at that Villarreal team and we were like, "Fucking hell, they weren't even good." Do you know what I mean? They weren't even good. Sean's boy Chekwezi was padlocked by a Jacker for the whole game. Like he's he's fucking crap. But we 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 afforded him all the time and the space in the world. We had bloody one fourth running through our midfield like he's a fucking like he's peak Eden Hazard like absolutely ridiculous and that was the most frustrating thing about that game was how good we made them like a very very average um La Liga side just how how good we made them look so Sean I'll start with you um what are some lessons that we can take from that first leg um and and use them to our advantage in 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 this second leg um, I mean, first of all, don't be so passive. We 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 know who the manager is inside out. We we know what his default setting is um, in these sorts of games as well. So I think um, I, I just think for me the most simplistic thing is just pick the best, most possible balanced lineup we can, um, and just go for the jugular. Like I said, I think for me one of the things that annoyed me loads in the first leg was that they have a really slow geriatric um, backline. Um, and we didn't test that at all. Do you know what I mean? They have centre-backs that can't run um, whatsoever. So, yeah, hopefully, um, I saw Aubameyang's interview, so hopefully he's, um, obviously, I don't think he's fully, fully fit, but he said he, he says he feels about 90%. So um, go there and get a team, get individuals around him that can create chances because ultimately, if we're going to go through, I think it's going to be through him. Like, if we create the chances, um, yeah, for him, I think he will be like, you know, if you think back to the Valencia game a couple of years ago where he got the hat trick, um, Chelsea semi final, no, sorry, Man City semi final last year got the brace, and then Chelsea in the final got the brace. Um, so I just feel like, and obviously he's not been great this season for a myriad of reasons, but I feel like um, even if, yeah, if we just create the chances for him, um, I think he'll be the one to send us through. Yeah, it's look. We've we've been kind of boosted by the news today, but then again, we had this kind of news come out pre the first leg as well, where we, we where we were told, you know, Tierney is in contention, Louise in contention, Obba's in contention, and none of the sods played. So um, we've heard the same rhetoric again this time, Dan. Um, you know, we've seen the training pictures and stuff. Just how important is it to have these guys back for this game? Um. I think it's imperative that Aubameyang is fit and is playing. Um, I think against uh, Villarreal in the first leg, they did a, their centre-backs sort of had an easy night playing up against them, Smith Rowe. I think the prospect of playing against Aubameyang, a guy who likes to run in behind, who's constantly on the move, he's never really standing still, um, doesn't really play with his back to goal. Um, he's a completely different prospect. So... Having him back is a massive, massive boost, man. And I'm, I'm hoping that he continues his record um, of scoring in every semi-final um, that he's played for Arsenal. Um, I think he's got six goals in semi-finals um, for us. So hopefully he adds another two um, 
a two, another two more tomorrow, you know. So I think that's massive. Um, seeing David Luiz train as well, I think is enormous. Um, not because I feel like he's an amazing, amazing defender, but his on the ball qualities um, can't be replaced um, in this team, you know. Uh, having the likes of Rob Holding there as a right centre back, um, you lose out on a lot of that build up play that I think he brings. So having him uh, being able to play those balls into party or into Saka, Chambers, Bellerin, whoever's playing right back. Um, is is massive um, and also being able to switch the play uh, to the left side, huge. Um, and I do think defensively he's much better than Rob Holden as well. I think Holden and Mary had an absolute disaster class um, in that first leg. So I would like to see Louise and Gabriel come in. Um, I do think they are our best centre-back pair um, this season. So I think having Louise back would be a boost. And then again, uh, the last one, Kieran Tierney back in training as well. Boy, um, we've missed him a lot. You know, I think he's been probably our best player this season um, when he's played. Um, having Jack a left back, I don't think it really works for the team. Um, and obviously, with Sabayos suspended, um, it makes that midfield um, a little bit of an issue if Jacka's having to play left back um, again. So having Tierney back, fit, firing, able to run, um, is a massive, massive boost, man, because not only does... He uh, solved a few problems for us defensively. He's great going forward as well, man. He's created a lot of chances. So, boy, if those three can start and, and play well, then I think we've got a good chance of going through. Mm. Yeah. What were you guys most concerned about from uh, Villarreal in the first leg? What What about them, you know, um, what, what do you think their strengths were um, coming into this game? Is there anything that you're particularly hesitant about? Anything that you're particularly concerned about? I can't lie to you. I don't think they were good, man. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't think they created much. They didn't really put us under pressure. Um, I think they created a, f a couple of good openings. Uh, I'm not going to lie, lie about that. But I think that was mainly because of our lack of a lack of mobility in the centre of the park. You know, I think with Sabios not being fit um, or not being not not being fit with Sabios suspended, I think that's a, a, a big boost for us. I can't lie to you. Um, I think defensively that makes us that makes us more solid, um, and and I don't think they they they, they cause us many issues um, if that midfield is is mobile and 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 can move with them. You know, I don't think they get at us um, in particular. So, so wait, you're, you're talking about mobility in midfield, but talking about putting Xhaka in there. I I think I think um, we we stay more compact. We have a better structure when Xhaka plays in there. So not necessarily mobility, but I think. With Sabios, I think he, he 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 loses his position quite a lot. He gets sucked in. Um, he likes to run after the ball, um, and with that, it means that he has to cover ground trying to get back. With Jack, I don't think you have that same issue. So um, I think it's actually a big boost for us to not have Sabios in there. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and, <laughs> go on, go on, carry on. Yeah. And 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 I think. Um, and I think with 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 that, without the gaping holes in our midfield, I don't think they've got much. I really don't. But yeah, mm. sure. Yeah, I, I didn't think um, in the first leg Villarreal had to do much to go two goals up. We were just very slack at the back. We weren't. Um, our press was, I mean, non-existent basically. Um, um, I think um, the, the only thing, obviously, which we saw from memory when we were here is that obviously he likes to create overloads on the flanks. Um, for the cutback, so we just have we have to be wary of that. So, um, but yeah, I, I would make sure um, just don't do any like 
one of the things that annoyed me actually as well, the back four we played in the first leg was Chambers, Holding, Mary and Jacka. I mean, good grief, that is slow as hell. Um, I'm not even the biggest fan of Hector Bellerin, but I think he needs to play tomorrow. Um, obviously, hopefully Tierney's fit, but even if, if, if he's not, then I'd put Cedric at left back. I just think we need to, you know, just, yeah, have the structure right and just put, like I said, for me, one of the things that annoyed me about Arteta was that he was overcomplicating a process that didn't need to be overcomplicated. Really and truthfully, you only really tried to come up with those sort of innovative solutions when you were trying to bat above your level. We have better players than Villarreal, do you know what I mean? So, and we need to make that count tomorrow. I mean, good grief. We have Xhaka and Party should be enough, like, do you know what I mean, to dominate, pin them back, um, you know, and yeah, to be able to find and break lines and find our danger, danger players higher up. So, yeah, I, I, I just think like, Arteta just don't do anything stupid, really and mm. truthfully. Like, don't have galaxy brain this game. Like, don't overthink the game. Don't, like, you know, just invest into it. Like, I don't even know how much Villarreal squad is worth, but I know his Arsenal's is probably worth at least twice as much. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so for all the supposed flaws that we have in the squad and whatever, it's still a better, better team and a better squad than Villarreal's. So, um, and we need to make that count. Do you know what I mean? It was the same thing, you know, in the last round, you look at Slavia Prague, we just made things unnecessarily hard for ourselves. And then in the second leg, when we actually just, you know, stepped up the tempo, played with intensity, you really saw the difference in level between the teams. And I think if we do the same tomorrow, I think we will see the difference in level, especially if um, Louise and Tierney are fit as well. Um, I expect mm. to see that difference. So, yeah, Mate, I, I don't even know why I, all of a sudden this evening I feel so confident. But, like, yeah, I just feel like really and truthfully like there, there, there's no real excuse for us not to go through we're a much better team than they are and this is with all our flaws intact as well so yeah yeah and look they might have one fourth out tomorrow which is a big boost for us because that, that might help us a little bit you know um we don't need him strolling through midfield uh, obviously Kapue is suspended so probably f that would mean that Francis Cochrane would probably start so maybe he could do us a favor and you know uh play like uh, well, I don't, I don't even want to say like play like Francis Cochrane. I quite like Francis Cochrane, but um, yeah, maybe he could just do us a favour and get sent off after you know five minutes or so. That would be in typical Cochrane fashion. Um, well, let's talk about our team then, um, because you guys have already mentioned some um, notable changes that you would make. Um, again. Matt Ryan played on the weekend against Newcastle and was, and was really good, I thought. Didn't have much to do, but everything that he did do, he did it um, with a lot of command, a lot of control. I think he gave the defence a lot of confidence. Newcastle barely posed us uh, an issue throughout the whole game. I know they were without a few players, but um, are you guys still Leno in, in, in for this game? Um, he, I mean, he pulled off a great save in the first leg, so... I, it kind of would seem a bit harsh to drop him for this game. Um, but, you know, do, any any opinions on, on who should start in, in between the sticks? Wait, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure about Matt Ryan, you know. Um, I do think that he does bring a bit more presence to that goalkeeping role. Um, and I think... On the weekend, obviously, it is Newcastle, um, so I don't know how much he can take from it. But I like the way that he commanded his box. You know, he came out and collected quite a few crosses. Um, and we've not really seen Leno do that um, this season. I think the goal that we scored from 
Uh, one of the goals even came from uh, very good distribution uh, from, from Matt Ryan. I don't think he's the best um, at his distribution, but I just think he has more presence um, and, and he just seems a bit more secure. I think the defence seemed a bit more confident when he was there between the sticks. And that's one thing that I've said about Leno this season is that I, I, I feel like the defence is nervous at times um, when he's got the ball. Um, and that's what emanates into the way that we build play um, as well. So I'm, I'm not sure if I would start Matt Ryan, but I wouldn't be mad um, if uh, he was picked over Leno. I'll put it that way. Sean, what about you? I, I don't think it's a big choice either way, whatever. Like, um, agree obviously with Dan. I don't think Leno has been great this season. I don't think he was obviously really at fault for anything we did in the, in the first leg and he made that save um, to prevent it from going 3-1. So I expect Arteta to continue with him. Um, on Ryan, he's played three games for us now, I think. So, um, and he, Is it three clean sheets as well? Uh, no, the Villa one he conceded um, oh, after okay. two minutes, but obviously that that's not it wasn't his fault um, in mm. that game. So, and he conceded against Fulham as well. But, oh, did he? All right. So, so this is, is one clean sheet. <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> only one clean sheet. But to be fair, like I, I actually kind of felt sorry for him because in both those games, the Villa and the Fulham, he didn't really have anything to do in either of them anyway. Mm. But I think what he has done, and I agree, he, he seems to bring a calmer presence. Even though, obviously, for a goalkeeper, he's quite short. He only just, I think, touches six foot. So he's quite short for a goalkeeper. But um, he's done all right. Um, I don't expect him to start tomorrow. But um, if he was to start, I wouldn't I wouldn't think of it as a, as a biggie. I think the, the major issues in terms of who plays are a lot further up the pitch for me. Mm. Um, obviously, you guys have touched on um, who should play at left back. We've got Tierney. I, I'm not too sure what the situation was. T- how how many times has he trained this week? Is he is he definitely going to start, or is this like is this a fifty fifty? As Arteta said, anything on his fitness? What's what's the what's the lowdown? I think he trained twice this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen him. I've seen him in 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 two different sets of training pictures. Right. So um, so I don't know if he trained before um, before that, but boy, if he can play, if he can play and give us sixty minutes, boy, I'm starting him, man. I'm not going to lie because after this game, we got nothing else to play for, man. We need to go for it. You know, might as well crop him now, right? Exactly. I know people are saying <laughs> about you know um, if he gets injured again, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, then um, you know we're we're dusted. But really and truly, if we go out today, our season's finished. You know, the league is done. Um, we've got nothing else to play for. So, boy, play, play, play him, play him, play him, play him. Mm. It's such a big boost if he is available as well, because like you guys said, I don't, Shaka's done okay at left back. Like I said, I thought, you know, someone um, picked picked a point of my, um, you know, criticism of Chukwesi earlier. I, I actually thought Xhaka did padlock Chukwesi in the first leg. You know, the amount of tackles that Xhaka made against him 1v1 um, was something that surprised me. Can't lie to you, because I, I I was I was fearing that matchup, but towards the end of the game, I just thought, yeah, Xhaka had him on toast, really. So Xhaka has done well at left back, um, but it just limits us so much, and it limits. I think it does limit the structure as well in midfield. Um, so yeah, it, it'd be a huge boost if Tierney comes back in to left back because he gives us so much, and he's just a natural fit for that. For that position, man, like, you know, we lose so much offensively when he's not playing. So, yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you. Play him at all costs. I'm assuming you're the same, Sean. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I really feel like 
out of all the positions in the squad like this is obviously it's the most key one as we don't have a natural replacement for him but just the way he basically plays that role is that he's such a transformative player for us um offensively obviously he's good defensively as well but in terms of what he gives us offensively um basically he owns that whole left flank by himself so much so that you can just this it doesn't really matter as much as who you play on the left just because you know we're going to build up so much down that left side and you know we're going to um try and find him and hopefully for him to fizz or, or float balls in so yeah he's and because obviously he has the engine to get up and down with ease as well um just because of how he plays the game at 150 miles an hour um he's a real real key cog for us which is obviously why we need to make sure we buy um an adequate replacement in i mean obviously back up um in the summer because we know he's going to get injured just because of the way he plays um every game at full throttle so yeah i think um yeah no brainer for me even if yeah he can give us 60 70 minutes tomorrow even if he's only at like 75 percent i still think that makes uh makes a world of difference for us so yeah 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 100 percent one of the one of the i'll tell you what and it, it scares me to even say this i can't believe i'm even saying this there is one player if he plays tomorrow i'm quite confident that we win the game and that's david louise I can't believe I'm saying this. I really can't believe I'm saying this. But there is something about David Luiz and his influence on this football team at the moment that just fills me with confidence. And also, we know David Luiz in big games, he just turns into peak uh, Paolo Maldini and just, you know, he doesn't make all those stupid errors and, and stuff that we that he is known for. And his distribution from the back is so like we saw it in the Newcastle um, first half. You know, his range of passing, the ability just to get the ball from one side of the pitch to the other side of the pitch, you know, acute, cute, cute little passes over the top. Rob Holding doesn't give you that. Rob Holding can't even kick it across the pitch. So automatically, you're, you're um, hampered by your ability to play out the back when Rob Holding is playing. And in a game where I expect us to probably have at least 60% of the ball, because we know what Emery's on. We know what he's about. He's going to give us the ball. He's going to sit back from minute one. We're going to have all the ball. So if we're going to have all the ball, we absolutely need David Luiz to play. If I see Rob Holden on the pitch, I'm putting a bet on us. We're going out. I, I, I'm I'm nailing my, my, my colours to the mast. I think we are... I think that position could be so pivotal uh, pivotal to tomorrow um i just i just got this feeling burning inside of me that if louise plays we go through mm. and um it scares the shit out of me that you know i've kind of pinned all my hopes on david louise that's all it's, it's all it's all set up for failure from from here on in to be fair but um yeah if louise plays G gabriel also has to play for me and those two like you said dan that's our strongest centre-back pairing for me so um how do you guys feel about that are you are you guys on my team like uh, you know on my side with the, the louise argument or sh should it be someone else playing well i think i think you're spot on to be honest i think um you know, he's, uh, he's he's almost someone that suffers by reputation, you know, rather than what he's actually done on the football pitch most of the time. Don't get I me wrong. I think he's been a shit for us at times. Yeah, yeah. He, de he definitely has. I think his first, season, Emery. Yeah, his first season wasn't good. Um, but, you know, he's been a part of some very, very good 
um, defenses in his time. I think you know some of the some of the mistakes that he's made, some of the bad games that he's played, they stick longer in the memory than some of the good ones. You know, like when he was at PSG, there's a time when Suarez nut nutmegged him and you know slapped it top bins and all of this stuff. The seven one um, Germany versus uh, Brazil. But you know that Champions League run when he was at Chelsea, 2012. He was he was a rock in the defense for them. Nine three point season um, in the middle of the defense uh, under Conte. He was probably one of Chelsea's player of the season um, that year. You know, so he does have these these um, prolonged periods where he's been a very very good defender. Um, and I feel like you know he's one that probably suffers you know from his hair and from some of the mistakes that he's made as well. But you know, I think this season he has been a rock. You know, I, I, I struggle to think of a mistake that he's made in a game this year. Probably that Wolves game, um, you know, is the one that... And that's, even that was like... That sticks out. I mean? Yeah, it was maybe maybe at fault, you know, leaving his zone and then getting caught out of position and then getting sent off. But I think that was a harsh red card. So, you know, I feel... I, I agree with you, Lewis. I feel confident when it's when it's those two um, at the back. I think they've got a good relationship. They communicate well. And I think Gabriel, he trusts David Luiz to do his defending on that side, you know, which is really important. Um, I feel like when he plays Rob Holding, you know, they don't... He doesn't seem to trust him, you know. He's, he's almost, almost always overcompensating um, for whatever Holding's doing on that side. And, and he ends up, you know, making rash decisions and, and making errors. So, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm not as confident of us getting a win because I think we will be, I'm more, I'll be more confident about, about us keeping a clean sheet mm. if those two play. But I don't know about the top end still. I don't. Mm. Um, uh, obviously, another position that it, this just seems to be changing every week, right? I think we, I think this season, we must have gone, we must have had all three of these players somewhere along the line being our best right back. You know, we've had Bellerin being our our first choice. Then Cedric came in and did a few good things one time. And we was like, well, yeah, yeah, Cedric's way better than Bellerin. And now we've had Chambers come in and, and do quite well. And then Bellerin came back on the weekend and then did quite well again. You know, like... Not, not to say that he looked, you know, world class or anything like that, but he looked, um, he looked a lot more comfortable than he he had been, uh, for 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 a few weeks prior to him being dropped. So uh, there's a complicated situation going on at right back. I don't think it would be Cedric to start. I I don't think I I think Cedric is probably our third choice right back now, which is, you know, he's he he's really fluctuated through um his ranking in this team this season um he's gone back to being a non-entity now again which you know gathers the point what was the fucking point of signing him but um who would you guys go for because chambers in my mind hasn't really done anything to be dropped but i did think he was particularly poor against villarreal um i'm not too sure what it was whether he just like froze up or um or you know or, or you know they just pressed him out of the game kind of thing but he, I thought he was particularly poor in the ball, looked quite shaky. And another thing I want to put you, to you guys, actually, is if Louise is not fit, I would prefer Chambers to start at centre-back than holding. I think that is something we should look towards doing. Um, I don't think I don't think it will happen because he's rested big Holdinho for uh, for tomorrow, hasn't he? So he wasn't even included in the squad on on Sunday. So um, yeah, guys, what do you guys think about that? 
um, the right back situation, who would you like to start? And if Louise isn't fit, uh, just to add to that, would you guys be happy with Chambers starting instead of Louise? So, um, yeah, on uh, the first point, I think a lot depends on... I'm not overly fussed on who starts. So I, I think, actually, sorry, tell a lie. I would pick Bellerin tomorrow. That would be who I would pick um, to start a right back. At the same time, I wouldn't be fussed if either Cedric or Chambers started. The main issue for me, and, I, and I've said before, is that um, I don't like Chambers starting at right back when Rob Holding is playing because that's so, that right-hand side is so, so slow. Um, if Louise is playing, I don't really have as much of an issue um, with James playing at right back. Um, you know, in terms of obviously he will act as an extra midfielder and build up. Um, and obviously, as we saw against West Ham, he got up and down quite well as well. So I, I don't really have an issue with that. But I would choose Bellerin tomorrow just because I think I want to push the line and I want to squeeze Villarreal as far back as possible. Um, so, yeah, I would go with Bellerin tomorrow. If Louise isn't fit, I also agree with you. Um, and I liked when Chambers came on at the weekend as well, obviously. I think generally, actually, none of us have really had that much of a problem with Chambers when he's played at centre-back, to be fair. I actually, because, and probably because I've got quite a soft spot for Chambers as well, is that he's a really he's another really good footballer. He's a much better passer than, like, you know, Rob Holden as well. So I think he's probably the closest imitation we can get to, you know, doing a sort of Louise impression from centre-back. Um, so I would trial him and Gabriel. Um, tomorrow they they played the last what half an hour of that um, Newcastle game, didn't they? So yeah, so I would be tempted to trial him um, just because yeah, holding doesn't fill me with confidence, and him and um, Gabriel's partnership is, is is not conducive at all. So um, yeah, I would hopefully Louise is fit, um, and I would start Bellerin, but I'm not overly fussed about that position. But if Louise is not fit, then I think yeah, bring bring Chambers in at right centre back, please. Uh, Dan, what about you? Yeah. Um... I quite like Chambers at right back. I'm not going to lie. I think, you know, his delivery is a lot better than Bellerin's, you know. Um, I don't really see much of an uh, uh, um, an attack from Villarreal uh, down that down that our right side, um, their left side. So I don't really mind um, Chambers uh, being a bit more advanced in that role. I prefer him um, actually playing that role to Bellerin. Um, I do think Bellerin is... Has a bit bit of a better engine than him. I think he's quicker than, than Chambers, um, and he probably does have a bit more of an attacking mindset um, than Chambers. And I feel like in a game where we know that we need to score, Bellerin might be um, might be useful. But I would like to see Chambers there. Bamyang's up front. I want those good balls um, into the box, being able to pick people out um, and and more technical players um, on the pitch supporting him. So I would go Chambers, and I think with Louise. Um, Gabriel Chambers um, in that back line, you, you will have um, a bit of a better build-up um, there. I think Chambers was able to play out the press quite well um, in that first leg, um, so I'd probably go with with uh, with Chambers for me. Mm. So it's interesting because Villarreal they don't really play with a left winger. Trigueros is kind of like a, he plays as like a left centre midfielder almost, and. You know, they, they really push a lopsided attack towards crazy. Well, at least they did in... I can't say I've watched Villarreal this season at all, but um, they they really look to be quite right-sided bias with Chukwesi and Foyf. And Trigueros was just basically a, a left-centre midfielder. So with that being said, um, I know uh, this 
obviously it's a risky tactic to do because we're going to obviously have Tierney on, hopefully on that left-hand side. But maybe if Tierney isn't available and Xhaka does have to play, um, I think Bellerin on that right-hand side might be a better choice just to have someone really pushing high up that right-hand side. Because I, I, I understand what you're saying about Chambers. Chambers has been good and, you know, he's shown the ability to be able to attack. But I'm still worried about Chambers coming back in the opposite direction. I don't think he has the recovery speed. And yeah, we, we've, we've spoken a lot about Bellerin's lack of athleticism. But Bellerin, for me, is still the better athlete. He's still up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, and I just think instincts-wise, Bellerin is a better attacker of space. So if we are able to like overload that right-hand side, get Bellerin pushed into space, I think he would be the better option for that role. I see Chambers more as someone who um, wants to play inside kind of thing. Um, Bellerin's more of a... Uh, he, he, he likes to get in behind space. He likes to attack space. So they're, they're different styles of right-back. So for me... Um, I think a lot depends on what we're doing on the left-hand side. Um, I, I think we just need to have one, basically. Like in the first leg, we didn't. Neither of the Jacker was an attacking, Chambers was an attacking. Do you know what I mean? And so we weren't having any options. You know, in t in terms of build-up, there wasn't anyone really stretching. Pepe was the only one who was sort of hugging. But yeah, I think I would like whichever one, whether it's left back or right back, whoever. I think one full back needs to stretch hundred percent this game. Um, so in an ideal world, it will be Tierney. Um, but yeah, but we'll see what happens there. Yeah, perfect. Um, so then obviously we're led to the midfield. The midfield, I would imagine, is highly dependent on whether Tierney is in uh, is is fit enough for this game. So um, let's just assume Tierney is fit. Um, we're obviously going with Partey in there and then and then Xhaka, right? It, it has to be those two. Um, any, any, you know, any case for Onani? You know, scored a really good goal on the weekend. I thought he did all right, to be fair. I don't want to see that guy. Not in this game, man. <laughs> just, just, just put, just put Xhaka and Party there. Like that's, mm. it's it. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's, it's not partly we don't have any other options, but also yeah. it's the best option. So yeah, just, just, just go with that. Yeah, it, like I said, for me, I just don't want to see anything overcomplicated this game. Yeah, um, it, even it if was... Ralph know what's coming, it should still be enough to. to, to it's, it's one thing knowing what's coming; it's another thing stopping it. Still, yeah. yeah. The, the, the frustrating thing about Arteta is and his management is there was such a simple fix to what Villarreal were hurting with us, hurting us with in the first leg, and it was. I thought it's you're seeing him they're, they're, them just run through the midfield. Just stick El Nenny in, plug that gap. He's going to give you structure. He's going to give you someone. Um, he's gonna. He's he's going to give you someone just to fill that gap in there. To, to um to stop those waves of attacks. So I don't necessarily see, you know, football games don't tend to happen exactly the same way to to twice in a row. Do you know what I mean? So I don't expect the game to um to map out exactly the same way. And and, and like I said, one fourth might not even be playing. So I don't even know who their backup right back is. I no not not a Scooby mate. Not a Scooby. So um yeah, I've lost my I've lost my trailer fault now. No, yeah, anyway, Jacko and Partey in midfield. Jacko and Partey yeah. in midfield. I'm I'm happy with that. Now we get into the the real interesting business of yeah. our forward line. Now, like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. 
Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. I want you guys to approach this from the aspect of two aspects of what you would do and what we think our Wally of a coach is going to do. All right. Because I think these two could contrast each other. I think at the back, I think things are pretty, you know, I think we, we've got it pretty nailed on what Arteta would do if all the players are fit, right? Going forward now is where um, the, the selection issues come into into play. So I'm assuming you guys would both play Erdegaard in the 10, right? Or oh, hesitation, hesitation. Oh. It's, inter- it's an interesting one. Um, I I personally would go with Smith Rowe, you know, um, I think I don't think Odegaard was bad um, in that game, but I which I, game? I, the first leg or Newcastle? Uh, Newcastle, sorry. I thought uh, it was rubbish, man. No, nah, I think I think um, I think he, he he kept us ticking. You know, he created five chances that match. Like I'm not a stats guy or anything like that in terms of the attacking play, um, but I do think that he he did help us to control um, control that game a bit more, um, but. I, I like what ESR does um, in that position. I think that the way that he moves and and and, and manipulates the space, um, it means that we can combine down both sides um, and we look at slightly more potent. I think I think when um, ESR plays in the ten than when Odegaard does. I think it is um, definitely um, a, a taste preference, but for me, I would play um, Smith Rowe in the ten. Um, I do think it's interesting if Tierney's fit or not. Um, rather than having El Nenny play centre mid, you could maybe go with a four-three-three um, and have both um, ESR and Odegaard, off, which would be which would be an option um, to go to go gung ho. Because I think in terms of that Sabios role that he's been playing, I think that suits Smith Rowe um, quite well, and I think he's mm. probably got more of the legs um, to come definitely. back the other way. You know, so I think that definitely could be an option um, as well. So. I, I think I if we're chasing, that's probably something he would do. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I like both of them. I'm not going to lie to you. I like both of them. I think they both have a lot of good quality, quality um, qualities. Um, so I don't really mind. But if I had to pick between the two of them, I'm picking um, Smith Rowe and then mm. potentially bring Odegaard on off the bench. I, I think for me, I think we've already pointed out that we think the approach Emery's going to go with is that you know he's going to sit back. So if I'm if I'm looking at that from a tactical standpoint, I think Erdegaard is probably the best option to go with. Someone who's going to pick the lock, someone who's going to occupy the half space in front of, def- of the defence. Whereas I see Emil Smith-Rowe, I don't really see him excelling in this type of game in the 10. Not to say he can't, I just think Erdegaard is, gonna, is better equipped to break down that Villarreal defence than Emil Smith-Rowe would be. So I would probably go for um, Odegaard in this game. What about you, Sean? 
Yeah, um, for me, I think a lot is contingent on um, if Tierney's fit. So if Tierney is fit, uh, I'm probably going to go a bit different to both of you. And I think this is what Arteta might do. I think he'll play both. Um, and he'll go with, I think he'll use the lineup that he used for the derby. So he'll have Smith Rowe from the left, Odegaard in the middle, and then Saka from the right. That's what I, I think he will that. do. I, I'm I'm okay with that. Obviously, I don't think the left necessarily gets the best out of Smith Rowe, even though obviously putting a man of the match performance in the derby against Spurs there. Um, but generally, I, I do prefer him in the middle. Yeah. Um, I think the logic behind that is, you know, um, like you've spoken about in terms of you expect Villarreal to sit deep. So you want, um, you're going to need to pick the lock. You're going to need to see if you can create combinations in and around the box. And mm -hmm. obviously you need to improve. You need to have good technical proficiency to enable that to happen. Um, like I say, for me, because of how important I think Tierney is, whenever he plays, I don't really like to block that left wing for him. I just want him to like own it pretty mm. much basically. And um, Whereas if I you think, put someone like Martinelli there and he blocks it? I, I don't know if Martinelli blocks it per se, but I, obviously Martinelli's not really um, a combination player per se himself in it. Like he wants to go like it alone. He's he's very forceful himself. Um, whereas I want someone who's going to enable it. Um, enable Tierney. Like, you know, ESR will um, play the overlaps. Um, he will combine, he will look to run in behind or look to send Tierney in behind as well. So I think they probably have more of a natural synergy than, you know, say um, Tierney with a Pepe or a Martinelli. So, and I think that's what Arteta might think. So, mm. um, and I just think that would be the way I go to start. And then um, if the game expands or it become, becomes more expansive, then we bring on the pacey eruptions later on, you know, against mm -hmm. tired legs. Um, you know, similar to how we did in the first leg against Slavia Prague, even though we messed it up. But, you know, we brought on Pepe and Martinelli later on and they really stretched, you know, tired legs, especially if you think how slow Villarreal's defence is. Yeah. So I know some people might see it as a, as a bit cautious going with um, with two um, rather than maybe just one of them. But I think that would be my logic behind it, especially as we have five subs. And obviously we know what Arteta can be like with subs. But I think mm. he'd be more inclined to, to obviously bring them on, obviously, with what we need as well. Um, so I, I just think, yeah, I think go with that technical proficiency to dominate the game, to pin them back, to try and probe, probe, probe. And if by 60 minutes, say we haven't cut through, um, then you change it, maybe take off Jack or move Xhaka to left back if Tini can't cope, bring um, ESR and Odegaard back, then bring on like Pepe and Martinelli or even like switch Xhaka to left back you know, as the game gets stretched, you know, so we have just different options. Um, so, yeah, so long answer, sh uh, long answer short, I think I would go, yeah, um, ESR left, Odegaard at 10, Saka right, and Oba through the middle is how I would I would line up. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, from what from what I know of um, Mario Gaspar, who I just quickly did a Google, it looks like he's full start instead of one five if one five is not in is not is not fit sorry he's not Mario fast. Gaspar from what I remember he's not an athletic guy so maybe it could be a thing of what we did to Spurs with um with Ken Doherty at right back where we <laughs> just like the off the ball mo movement really pammed him and that, like you said those combinations in behind I don't think they'll be able to hack it whereas maybe he might be able to do a little bit against Martinelli who who again I thought he's I thought I thought Marcelli did had probably his best left wing game against Newcastle on the weekend, and he did show the ability to stand the player up, get past him, 
deliver a, um, delivered a great cross for Aubameyang for the goal. Obviously, we saw the lot. We saw a lot more one v one proficiency against Newcastle for Marcelli on on the weekend. But I do think that 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 type of player and the and the level that he operates as a one v one guy, I think that's easier to defend than what. ESR is going to bring with off the ball movement. I don't think Marcelli's not some 1v1 demon. You know what I'm saying? He's not an Alex San Maximan. He's not a, um, uh, a Mares or someone like that. He's not going to absolutely toast you time, time after time, time after time, 1v1. So I think they might be um, pretty comfortable with dealing with Marcelli. At least they know that we can just isolate him out there. And we're gonna we can double up on him, and we can you know just just deal with that threat like that. Whereas I think Emil Smith Rowe he offers that ability to, you know, come it going behind, come deep combinations play. He might end up on the right hand side. He might end up centrally. You never know where he fucking is. So to to have a defense organized, dealing with someone who is disrupting that organization for the, for the whole game with his energy and and his smart runs and his combination play. I think that makes more sense to disrupt a defence. I, I also think, sorry, just to butt in and then Dan come in afterwards. I just think um, because I can envisage how this game is going to go to start with, I just feel like I know Pepe and Martinelli are, are goal scorers. They're the more ones who, who, you know, who carry the sort of the goal scoring threat. But, you know, when the game is structured and it's a bit more, you know, um, cagey, you just don't want to make any sort of errors in the final third initially. I just think as the game goes they're going to get more and more tired, basically, if we can just pin them back for long periods. And I think that will be the moment if we haven't um, scored yet to bring on Pepe and Martinelli, just because, you know, you know, when you're tired mentally more than anything, like there's probably going to be like a stray boot. Um, and that's when you want Pepe and Martinelli running at them with like 30 minutes to go. So I know some people, like I said, will probably see it as, you know, a bit cautious. I don't necessarily think it is cautious. I think it's just a decent game plan to approach with. Um, see how the game pans out for the first 60. And then if like on 60 minutes, we haven't got any change from them, that's when I would, you know, you would gamble more and you would go for it a lot more with and and give yourself time. Obviously, we know Arteta can be slow, but I think 30 minutes, um, if nothing is, is happening, then it's sufficient time for Pepe and Martinelli um, to come on and, and try and make um, try and make that difference, I think. Mm. Yeah, Dan, what about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um... For me, I'm just looking at sort of where I think Villarreal are weakest. Um, I personally would like to have two threats in behind. Um, I think ESR does do it. Um, so I wouldn't be too averse to him um, starting the match on the left. But I think Pepe and Martinelli are both better um, with that sort of in-behind movement and getting on the end of things. Um, I think it's likely that he goes with ESR on the left. Um, but... Personally, I want to see a front three of Pepe, Aubameyang and Saka um, start together. Uh, I, I really would like to see that. Um, and even if they don't start, I'd like to see it at some point um, in the game. Um, just because I feel like they're probably our strongest front three um, from my perspective. Um, and, and I think they have they carry the most threat between them. And I, think, I also think that Pepe and Aubameyang, they don't really get to play that much um, together and I think they they probably have um, some of the best chemistry that we have um, with our attackers. I think Pepe likes to find Aubameyang quite a lot when he gets into positions. He's always looking for him on the cross, always looking to release him in behind. So um, 
the way I approach this game, I want to get the best out of Aubameyang. I think um, ESR, Odegaard, Saka behind Aubameyang works. I think Odegaard um, with uh, Pepe, Saka, uh, Aubameyang up, up front, I think works as well. Um, there were some good connections with Martinelli and Aubameyang on the weekend. Um, it was a different type of Martinelli game that I think we're used to seeing, you know. Um, uh, it's very interesting. What was it? Was it the, the Fulham game um, where he had, I think, four shots? Um, mm. He started from from the left, you know, and that's more like he he, he has he carries a threat. He likes to Sheffield United actually. Maybe Sheffield United, I think. Yeah, he had four mm. shots and he got the goal. Um, and he and he, he, li- he likes to pop pop things off. And then in this Newcastle game, um, he created five chances, you know, including getting the assist. Um, took his man on, was coming inside, going on the outside. You know, he had a uh, who, who was it? Um, that was was playing right back um, on the weekend. On the weekend, uh, he was he was a right wing back. The oh. the race guy, I can't remember his name, um, but he had him on toast. You know, um, and I think Martinelli was our best player on the day. So I also wouldn't be mad about him um, starting on the left. I think we do Maybe have Murphy. options. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Murphy, um, and I think we do have we do have options here um, in attack. I think the two that must start are Saka and Aubameyang, and Whoever plays on the left, I don't actually think I'll mind. You know, as long as it's a front four um, that has a Bamian Saka, one of the tens, and one of um, ESR, uh, Martinelli or Pepe on the left, I think I'll be happy with that lineup. Um, personally, I think they, we've got weapons. Um, Any all all of those six players that I mentioned need to see some game time though. They need to play. Uh, Arteta, we've got five subs, so whoever starts, two of them needs to come off the bench. Um, and let's put this game to bed because at the end of the day, we should have more than enough to to beat these men um, by by more than two goals. You know, so um, Arteta needs to to be sensible, not try some false nine bullshit that he did in the first leg, and let's go through. You know. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, what's what's to do with Lacazette tomorrow? Is he is he just a doubt? Is he is he so training? He's, what's going on? So 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 he, he's trained as well, and I think he's fit. He's uh, He'll probably be in the squad tomorrow, but I just wouldn't start him, basically. So you just have him as an option off the bench as well. Yeah, I, I, I think but... so. I think like as long as I, agree, I sort of agree with Dan, as long as Arteta doesn't start, like I don't think he should start, and as long as William doesn't start, I'm okay with the different combinations. I, like I said, I probably just slightly differ to Dan just because I think of how important Tierney can be. I just don't want to block him on the left, and I think maybe something I don't think him and Pepe on the left is sort of the best sort of synergy which is which was probably my thinking behind the osr starting on the left but I'm, I'm okay pretty much with whatever he does um that was that was just my thinking behind what i think he will do and how we will look to um approach it mm. yeah it makes sense i mean look i think we're all we're all gonna sit here and say abamyang up front abamyang has to play up front Ugh, sneaky suspicion lacazette does i'm not too sure what it's based on but I think he will want. I think he he thinks he can rely on Lacazette. Yeah, I I I'm not too sure. I don't I don't know. I don't know how fit Lacazette is. Like he wasn't even in the squad against Newcastle, was he? So, and whereas Oba played, did Oba play like eighty five minutes? Was it? About to eighty minutes against Newcastle. But I think um, after the game on Sunday, Arteta had said that neither him or Tini had trained. 
So I just feel like just logically, Aubameyang, it was good that Aubameyang got those minutes in his legs at the weekend. Mm. And I just think it makes sense to go with him again tomorrow. I just really, yeah, what will really great me is if I see like Lacazette start up top tomorrow and Aubameyang on the left. I just think that I I just, I really, really do not want to see that. And I just, I just, I just think we're handicapping ourselves if we start like that anyway. There is Um, an, there is a chance it happens though, isn't there? There Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me, but I just, I think out of all the combinations we've just spoke about, I just think that one, like we've flogged that one to death and that yeah. one should be way, way down the pecking order along with William. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. You know, we, we actually did all right against Newcastle on, on the weekend. I was, you know, and I was looking for positives for William. There just weren't any. <laughs> waste of space, man. Shit. If, and I'll tell you what, if we need a goal and, and William comes on tomorrow, I'm just going to turn it off, mate. I'm just uh, gonna to to, it to off. be honest, I think it, like that is, is gross negligence. Like tomorrow, like for example, say he starts with like Aubameyang up top and then ESR Odegaard and Saka behind. You have like, before I see William, you have Pepe, Martinelli, Lacazette. Like, don't, like there's literally no reason for, for William to come on tomorrow. Zero. Um, there, there's literally zero reason, so... Not even if we're defending a league. I don't want him to come on. I just there is literally not a, a scenario in mind that I would want to see William come on tomorrow. Um, but yeah, look, that's that's the team that we think we're he's going to go with. I think it, you know there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of doubt there. You know, we've we've named three or four players who. Um, we just don't have any idea what their fitness levels are going to be like. So it's likely not going to be the team we we want it to be. Um, I'm sure one of them is uh at least is gonna is gonna miss out, which is you know, and 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 they're all quite damaging, really. I think if Tierney doesn't play, it's quite damaging. If Louise doesn't play, it's quite damaging. Um, if Oba doesn't play damaging, who is the other one? Lacazette? Uh, not so much. I don't I don't really give a shit if Lacazette don't play. Um Let's now talk about the impact of tomorrow's game. Um, where, how much pressure do you think Arteta will be under if we go out tomorrow? Is this no. like, is this a game changer tomorrow? Is this, is this some, is that, is this like a uh, an event that really changes? the narrative in, in Arsenal fans' eyes because I think Arsenal fa- I think Arteta still commands support from a, a a majority of the Arsenal fan base. So does this swing the pendulum in any way, shape or form? Do you know what? I think, um, like, let me try and explain this point properly uh, because I've been trying to, like, jumble it around in various WhatsApp, WhatsApp chats and I don't think it was coming across very well. But I actually think I'll be quite disappointed if... They sack Arteta um, if he loses tomorrow, right? Um, not because I don't want him to go, but because I feel like why would you not have done it earlier if um, if this because because to me the fact that they didn't sack him in December, the fact that they've let him you know sort of play out this whole season, it doesn't actually make sense to me to to give to to say that this guy's job is dependent on winning the Europa League if that makes any sense, right? Because to me, logic says that a guy that has you 15th um, for the first 15, after the first 15 games of the season, um, has you 10th um, with 34 games um, into the season, 
um, you know, logic says to me that that guy's not good enough to win you the Europa League, right? So, or get you back into the Champions League. So if you're saying all this time, you know, we, we don't care about the league form, we're not worried about it, um, we're, 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 we're not fast, we're going to give him the, the summer window, um, irrespective of results, um, we're going to do all of this, that and the other, we're supporting him 100%. To then say that, oh, because you didn't win um, the Europa League, your, your time is up, you're not good enough. I personally don't think that makes sense because you could have actually got rid of this guy um, earlier when we were still in the competition, when we still had a, a chance of getting in the top four. When Because when, when Chelsea got Thomas Tuchel, they were level on points with us. We both on 30 points, you know, um, end of January. Um, we, turned, we turned the corner and whatnot. Um, so, so you could have sacked this guy. You could have got qualification um, for the top four, you could have had a better opportunity at winning the Europa League, better chance, um, and you chose not to do it. So to then say that, oh, he didn't win the Europa League, so we're going to sack him, it's like the signs were there for the whole season. The signs have been there. So you've essentially wasted a whole season where we had a chance, you've wasted it, and you've thrown it away for no reason. So for me, the fact that he's still in the job now, he has to be in the job um, in summer, otherwise, this board they they literally have no clue, none whatsoever. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I do understand what you're saying, um, and it's a it's an interesting way to look at it. Sean, what what's your opinions on um, you know on on what Dan has just said there? Yeah, no, no, I I, saw, I, I agree with Dan. At the end of the day, like it, it just shows poor planning, like. The season shouldn't hinge on whether you win the Europa Europa League or not, because for me the league is always the biggest barometer of it. Um, and you could, do you know, what I mean, any you could you could always win the Europa League, but I just think we've seen enough signs that um, he, his tenure possibly should be questioned at the end of the day. Like for me, the only way it makes sense is if you decide in the summer, right, we're going to give Arteta one hundred and fifty million to, to go and spend. Um, do you know what I mean? So I just I, I don't think they will anyway. I feel like. The Cronkies are, are quite fervent in their backing of him. The fact that they made him manager, I don't think they're going to sway on that anyway. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I, I think it, as long as the Cronkies are here, what would be interesting is if like the Daniel X stuff came to fruition, that might change um, the way it's looked at. Um, it'd be interesting to see there, it, like that evaluation, him and the consortium behind him. Of, um, of what Arteta's done, I think that would be the only way it changes for me. Expected like if we if we don't win it, I expect Arteta to continue next season and for, for them, well, hopefully <laughs> to um, to back him adequately in the transfer market. So, but yeah, I don't. I think like for example, if we got knocked out tomorrow, I think a lot of fans would switch. But I, I think that's <laughs> it's a poor reason to switch anyway. Do you know what I mean? Because um, yeah, as if the, being the, ninth the, in the league, yeah, it, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You've had enough evidence this season um, of some of his of his failings. So um, to just change on the basis of the semi final result, I think would be a bit weird. But we do have quite a reactionary fan base who do that. So um, yeah, I, I I expect him to continue regardless. It's, say we do go through tomorrow, right? And somehow we win the final. What does that, what does that do in terms of your confidence levels for Arteta? Does do do you gain a little bit more confidence? Do we gain a bit of momentum? Because 
winning a European trophy is no easy feat. Um, beating Man United in the final would be no mean feat either. And that would be the third time Arteta has actually beaten Man United in a um in a in a competitive game. So is there like something to be taken from winning Europa League that gives you confidence in his managerial um process going forward? You go first then. Go on. Boy, you know what? Um I think my opinion is I would like the club and the squad and the team to be in the best possible position, um, right? Because what that does is it removes excuses. Yeah, so with Lampard, with Lampard um, last season, yeah, Sam Fisher smoking some serious... Yeah, Sam, Sam Fisher was making good points above, but he's just coming with a right stinker yeah. there. Fucking he's, hell, Carlo Ancelotti, boo, get off the stage. We've lost because what, what I think it does is it eliminates all the excuses, yeah? So with Lampard last season, um, he had the excuses of our transfer ban. We've lost Hazard, etc. We had to, you know, reintegrate all of this, this youth and whatnot. So when he came forth, people said, yeah, he's done a good job. He's, he's met his objectives, um, etc., etc. And then they went out and they spent 250 million in summer. And then you can really examine, man, and you put him under the lights. Six months, well, not even six months, three months later, he's out of a job because they said, boy, look, you're not it, right? And look at what Chelsea are doing now when they get a good guy um, coaching them. Boom, they're in the FA Cup final, they're in the Champions League final, and they're probably going to finish fourth uh, to qualify next year for the Champions League. So what I would like to see is if somehow we manage to miracle our way into the Champions League next season, um, pot one, yeah, um, I would like us to go and spend cash, go and spend that 250 million that, that that Chelsea did. Go and bring and plug all the holes in the squad. Go get a right back, a, a centre mid, get Odegaard, get a left winger, um, get a backup left back. So there's none of these excuses about there's no preseason, um, COVID. He, he he's not had a chance to to get his own players in because then you can put him under the lights. And if he stinks at the joint, like we probably suspect that he will then there's no excuses for him and he has to walk. There's no, there's nothing that people can say and hold up and say, look, you know, um, excuse number one, he didn't do this, because if he doesn't cut it, then he's not good enough and he has to go. And then the next man, he's got good pieces to work with. So that's my viewpoint on it. I want us to win this Europa League. I want us to sign players. I want us to be good again and have no excuses for Arteta next season. So... That's, yeah, I don't really understand the that. I don't really understand the whole oh not wanting to win Europa League because it means Arteta will stay in the job. But I think that's just cutting your nose off to spite your face because we actually need to get in the Champions League to have you know if we don't make European football next season, they're gonna keep Arteta number one, and he's probably not gonna have any much money to to improve the team with. So it's not great for Arsenal Football Club. Either way, really and truly, but that is certainly not um, where we need to be. Um, Sean, uh, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think. Um, sorry, it was around what uh, the what the implications will be for him. Or um, I actually can't remember the question. No, basically, I was asking. Um, you know, would 
would the Europa League victory would a sorry would a oh, Europa yeah, League yeah. victory give you Change, more yeah. confidence? No, no, because I, I I judge and manage a manager by league performance. That's always for me. That's always the bread and butter. So because um, it, it's interesting that there were people arguing looking at it um, today. They were saying if Arsenal did beat United in the Europa League, who would have had a better season? Arsenal and Man United. I still think United would have had a better season. They've just lost to us in the final, but. They finish second and quite com- they're going to finish mm. second and quite comfortably second. So obviously it'd be great. Don't get me wrong, we've we've got a poor record in Europe. So I, I will take that every day of the week. But I just think, you know, um, we're a cup team essentially. We can get up for one-off performances, but at the end of the day, over a thirty-eight game consistent thirty-eight game season, that shows your consistency. It shows where your level is as a team. So um, yeah, no, it would it would still leave me with more questions and answers. I think he'd probably. If he won it, he'd probably end up getting a new contract, to be fair, because he would have the FA Cup in the Europa League in the space of two years. So he'd have good um, validity behind him to, you know, um, get the cash in and, and, get, and get a new deal, which I'm probably sure he wants as well. So, um, yeah, I it would take it still take a lot more for me to be convinced because at the end of the day, last season when Emery sacked, we were eighth. When Arteta, he didn't improve on anything. We finished eighth this season. We're likely going to finish 10th. Um, I think that's abhorrent, to be fair. And do you know what I mean? We've lost 13 league games this season, which I think is nothing short of disgraceful. Um, so whatever he wants to say about, you know, um, the inconveniences that have happened outside of football, because he, he talks a lot about, you know, stuff that has unsettled the camp inside. I just, I, I kind of think like everyone's been affected. Do you know what I mean? He talks about not having a pre-season mode. Do you know what? The Euros are this summer. There's going to be, you're, you're going to be without players again. It's going to be a shortened pre-season. And then uh, next year, it's the World Cup um, in the middle of the season as well. So here's the newsflash. There's always going to be dis- disturbances and dis- disruptions. Um, for me, your, your target is always to, you know, you were hired to get the best out of an underperforming team. And quite frankly, you haven't got anywhere close to that. So um, you can tell Arsenal shouldn't be a top four team, but Arsenal definitely shouldn't be sitting in 10th place. Um, and, and a lot of the blame, from, in my opinion, he has to shoulder for that. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't think he's... Um, put us in a position to, you know, be be where we are. Like like I said, I think we haven't scored 50 league goals this season. Um, for all of Emery's flaws, we scored over 70 league goals under Emery. And um, we only missed out on top four by a point because we lost the home to Palace and we drew Brighton, do you know what I mean? So we were a lot closer. Um, and, you know, so, someone could argue he has better pieces here. He has, you know, he was back to Thomas Party, he has Gabriel, do you know what I mean? You've got Odegaard, Saka, ESR, but so... Tierney, he's, he's got a lot of decent tools. So I just think um, he was lauded as a coach at City who improved players. I think Saka's done really well under his stewardship as, as his ESR as well. But there are a lot of questions about others. Um, and I think that's linked to his approach. So yeah, for me, um, even if he won, which would be great, and I hope he does because I agree with Dan at the end of the day, the most important thing is that the team is good and the team needs massive investment. But um I just think he's not done enough with the pieces he's had available at his disposal. So, yeah, the jury would still be out for me anyway. Yeah, no, um, I I agree. I I don't, myself personally, I don't, just speaking on what I think will actually happen, irregardless of the result tomorrow, um, Arteta is here until Christmas, at the very least. He won't be gone before Christmas. He'll be given... He'll be given the summer to, to navigate through and then he'll be given the first half of next season, I'm sure. And if things go badly, they'll do what they did with Emery, I would imagine, and just 
probably pulled a trigger too late, ruined another season, um, you know, too much to catch up with, and then same story again. Rinse and repeat, basically, which is concerning, man. And that's, 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 I know it's going into a different debate entirely, but this is where I just, we need to just get rid of these owners, man. I know, I know people have their concerns about this Daniel Ek guy, and, you know, pe- you know, people are worried about Wenger coming back in and all this. I just, listen, this ownership, they need to go. <laughs> they actually need to go. And I don't even think it's a better, a, a case of, better the devil you know i really don't think it's okay we're just going nowhere with this ownership we need change we need change we need someone to change up the culture in this club the sporting culture and the conkeys from all the evidence we've had are not the people to do it and they will and they will prove me right again when arteta will be allowed to exit the competition tomorrow finish ninth Still get the still have the job come summer. Still be have a poor start to next season. Still be allowed to navigate through till 15, 20 games of the season, and then when fan pressure tells, they will make the 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 decision that they don't really want to make, and they'll get rid of him. So, yeah, it it all stems that we've we've got bigger issues than just Arteta at the moment, unfortunately. Um, and then, and then the, the decision goes to if 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 we do get rid of Arteta, who comes in next? You know, I don't trust this board. I don't trust this ownership to bring in the right person. Personally, I don't think they know their game. I don't think they know they know their ball. Personally, well, I think I think with the ownership, right? They. They literally their track record just absolutely stinks. Not just at Arsenal, but at all their other um, club fran- franchises. You know, I think there was a tweet I saw where they're always talking about trust in the process. You know, it's always it's always a process. It's always a process. There's never any fucking tangible results um, for for these teams. I think um, the Rams had a Super Bowl finish um, a couple couple years back. Um, the Nuggets were doing decently. Um, I think they're doing decently this season as well. Yeah, doing decently at some point. But, you know, it's always years and years of, you know, sort of malignance and and and, and mid, you know. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not surprising to me to see where we are as a club, you know, year on year under their tutelage. I think we've gone backwards. You know, mm. I think there was one point when we signed Ozil and then Sanchez, I think people were saying, you know, we're making progress. And then, boom, they followed that up with a summer where we signed no no outfield players. And lo and behold, we've we've been basically been suffering from that summer every single year since, you know. So they're not attentive. They're not um, on the ball. There's no culture of excellence. There's no um, desire to win any silverware, right? So, you know, all of this talk that they do, they come to the fans for and be excited. We're going to spend money. You know, we're ambitious, this, that, and the other. It's all words. Right, nothing they say um, is ever matched by what they do, you know. So I'm not overly enthused um, by this summer. I think it's going to be more of the same. They might give us one big signing, but we're going to go into the season with big gaping holes um, in our team, as we always do, you know. So one thing that I'm maybe slightly hopeful for the Super League stuff. They do have to, you know, sort of win the trust back of fans. Whether or not they care about that remains to be seen, but. You know, with this Daniel Ek guy there waiting in the wings, 
there's now, I guess, an alternative for fans to to hook onto. So if we don't see the spending, if we don't see the ambition, if we don't see the, you know, put, they're putting their money where their mouth is, then fans can maybe start talking with their pockets. You know, if if they want to start protesting, I think now fans can, you know, stop going to games, stop making it a spectacle when fans are back, because I think that is the biggest way um, that we can that we can pro- pro- protest and show um, our displeasure. You know, they didn't look like they were going to sack Wenger until fans stopped going to going to matches. So, mm. you know, um, if if it's more of the same, then boy, let's get these guys out of here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm eager just to wrap the pod up, guys. It is getting late, but there is a question here from Sam Fisher. He says, um, question for the panel, would you take Allegri at Arsenal? No. I mean, at this point, I would. No, no, sorry. I, I was going to say, like, for, for me, obviously, it, it goes past, like, obviously, style is important to me, but, but even then, like, even if you even if you disregard style, Allegri's going to need money. He's going to need a lot of money. Do you know what I mean? So um, he would only take the job if he was assured of he's going to spend a lot. And I've never seen Allegri have a track record of developing a side, building a side. Do you know what I mean? He had he won a league title at AC Milan. He's won he won a few titles at Juve, um, but they were all teams that were ready to compete. Do you know what I mean? It, Arsenal's a completely different landscape. So even me putting aside my stylistic um, preferences, does he have does he have a track record of of doing that? Do you know what I mean? So that would be another question mark you have to put above his head. So yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. Uh, Dan, what about yourself? You you, you finished I'll on take, this point. I'll take Allegri, man. I think mm. you know people are obsessed with style and all of this stuff. Boy, I just want to win. I just want to win. <laughs> like, yeah, like, let me man. tell you, like, people people talk about style, but when Jose Mourinho is lifting them Champions Leagues at Inter and 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 winning leagues league titles at at Chelsea. I was looking at them and I was jealous, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't care about selling my soul, whatnot. Big man, I just want to win. I just want to win. I think Allegri is a top top manager. Um, he's won stuff everywhere that he's been. I, I do think people are a bit. Um, over-exaggerating how defensive he is, I think. Yeah, he's not a Simeone or a yeah, Jose Mourinho. I, I don't think he is. I think he's 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 sort of similar to a Pochettino that his teams don't play the best football, but you know he's pragmatic at times. He's, he, he coaches good defenses, and I think you know if you remember that Milan side that he had, they bopped us four nil um, in the Champions League, playing some nice stuff with your Robinho's, your. Um, Erby Emanuelsons and and all of these men as well. So Erby Emanuelson, fucking hell. <laughs> so I think he's capable of, of of playing some nice stuff. I don't think his Juventus team is that boring to watch mm. as well. With your Pogba's and your Perlas and your Vidal's and whatnot. So you know, of course, I'm taking Allegri. Man, the guy's a, the guy's a winner. Um, he got his team to two Champions League finals as well. So boy, yeah, we're we're in the mud. We're tenth place with Arteta. If there's an Arsenal fan out there that tells me they're not taking Allegri over Arteta, they're drunkards, man. Oh. Sean, Sean is drunk clearly. <laughs> no, no, no. But like I said, but like I said, even even if you put that aside, like my stylistic stuff aside, like the question is, do you know what I mean? He had what he had at AC Milan and Juve. He was ready to win. Do you know what I mean? The landscape is completely different here. So even putting my stylistic preferences aside, I think it would be a very very tough job for him to take on without money. Yeah, fair enough. All right, then, guys, let's let's wrap things up. Um, 
it's midnight and I've been yawning for like the last 15, 20 minutes. So yeah, it's bedtime for me. Um, thank you to everyone who's joined us on YouTube live. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe, all of that stuff if you haven't done so already. Um, and yeah, if you want the, the post-match reaction pod after tomorrow, uh, make sure to join our Patreon. Um, you can join for as little as £3 a month. Um, so yeah, go and support Touchy Gooners and get your, your instant fix uh, as we hope to bring you some more content this season and for next season as well. So thank you for joining me, Sean, Dan. Um, I will speak to you tomorrow. We'll be doing the Discord live. Sean, you're never on the Discord, so you get to avoid the pain. Me and Dan, <laughs> however, we have to face it head on. So um, yeah, I will speak to you both tomorrow. Have a good evening and take it easy. Peace. to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Network.